0: Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. This life can put a lot of demands on us to perform and succeed in business, education, athletics, and even at home. Have you ever wondered, though, what God's definition of success is? What does He want from you? The answer to these questions could be slightly different for each one of us, but there are some foundational elements that are the same for everyone. In our new series, Becoming God's Best for You, we'll explore what it is that God really wants for us individually and how you can become the best version of you as God desires. We believe He wants to speak to you today, so sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live and it starts right now.
1: going to enter into um, a different dimension in this series that we've been doing for a few weeks now titled Becoming God's Best for You. That's what God wants for you. He wants His best. And we're going to enter into a, um, about a four-week session where we're going to take each Sunday and kind of teach you, uh, that's why I'm sitting down, standing up behind the pulpit, kind of teach you uh, different ways to share the gospel. Same gospel but different ways to share the gospel to where you can try to reach people. Um, the song about being crucified with Christ, that's part of it. You know, the fear that you have of walking up to somebody and trying to share the gospel with them, let that be crucified in you. I i, I was sitting backstage, I go backstage most of the time before I step up here, and I just happened to look over on top of a little... Little pillar that was back there, and I saw this little magnet that says "Live scent I hadn't planned on sharing that today, but I picked that up. And I thought, man, that's a strange coincidence that I pick up a little magnet today that says "Live spin." Being said, I'm just going to lay it up here. Somebody might want to take that home with them, put it on the uh, uh, refrigerator as a reminder of that—that that you need to live. Uh, sent. Uh, I I recognize today's, um, you know, July 4th, and we ought to be thankful for the freedom that we have. Amen. And and we ought to be praying for our country that those freedoms don't diminish in some way, especially that we have the freedom to serve Christ. We have the freedom that we ought to have uh, concerning the gospel. Uh, So I want us to pray about that even before we jump into the message. But at the same time, guys, we need to recognize this. You can live in America in a free Culture, what's supposed to be a free culture, still live unfree. <laughs> and people can live in America, and guys, there's tons and tons of people in America that don't know Christ as their Savior. You, you can live in America and miss the greatest freedom of all, which is to be set free in the Lord Jesus Christ. To be set free by God. Let's pray about that before we go any further. Father, we... Uh, we thank you for the chance to gather together. Father, I'm, I, I'm reminded as I look around, we've got people out of town on vacation. We pray you give them travel and safety. Uh, but Father, I pray even where they're on vacation that you would use them uh, for your honor and for your glory. Father, we do thank you for our nation and the freedoms that we have. We pray you protect those freedoms from slipping away. Especially the freedom that we have to to serve you and get together and worship together and share uh, uh, about you and share the gospel. Father, help us to understand that people can ultimately be set free by trusting in Christ as their Savior. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. So in this series, we've approached several different aspects about how you can experience God's best in your life. Uh, I'm not going to go back through all of those, uh, but today, as I said a moment ago, we're kind of changing gears, and we're going to talk about becoming God's best for you through this way. God's best can be found through you sharing the good news, through you sharing the gospel with others. And the reason I'm saying God's best can be found in that is that many people have never shared the gospel. Many people have never shared their faith whatsoever, and, and that's why you're not fulfilled in your life. Because God has expected you to do that. He's equipped you to do it. Some people will think, well, what if I make a mess out of it? Well, can, can I say something on the very front of this? That we're going to do like four weeks of teaching you how to share your faith different ways. But, but some of you are thinking, well, I, I, I don't feel qualified. You know, I don't fully feel. Um, can, can I tell you up front? You're, you're probably not fully equipped, and neither am I. But all of us have been, if you know Christ your Savior, you've been saved. Amen. Guess who equips you? (laughs) He equips you. His Spirit equips you. So all all of us can... Share the good news with others, although people maybe have fears in doing so because they feel like they've been ill equipped. Some people have never shared the gospel with anybody whatsoever because they can't move past their past. Locked up in who they were before they knew Christ as their Savior, and because they're still locked up and guilty about who they were before they trusted Christ, then they let that keep them held back from doing everything that God would have you to do. So move past your past, amen? Here's news for, about your past. Jesus paid for it fully. (laughs) He completely paid for it. So don't allow your past to hold you back from doing something as important and significant as sharing the gospel with another individual. So guys up front, I just want to take the pressure off. Here's what I mean by that. You cannot save a single person, neither can I. And the only thing we can do is be obedient to what he tells us to do And to tell others and share the gospel because the Bible calls us to tell others and share the gospel. All we can do is be obedient and leave the results to him. We have to be obedient and do what he wants us to do. Many passages of scripture in the New Testament tells us we're supposed to share the good news. We're supposed to tell others. Because it's not just in the New Testament, it's even in the Old Testament. Let me just kind of throw this out real quick at the beginning of this message. In in Proverbs 11 verse 30, the Bible says this. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures soul is wise. So another way to say that is this. If you have been made righteous, then there ought to be some fruit that you're bearing. If you have been made righteous, there's this fruit that's a tree of life. We're talking about eternal life that you ought to be bearing for Christ. And it says if you're doing that, if you're winning souls, you're wise. God says you're wise to do that because he calls us to do exactly that. Now today, what I'm going to do is is approach uh, sharing the gospel with a system that's been around for years and years and years. How many of you have ever heard of the Romans' road to salvation? You know, some of you uh, heard of it, and there's a little, little bit different tweaks and versions of it, but that's what we're going to look at today, and I want to encourage you to do this. I want, I want to encourage you to take your Bible um, as we walk through Romans, and go ahead. I've got some Bibles about falling apart that I've made notes in uh, also. But uh, especially today, if you'll take your Bible and as we visit these passages, and if you'll write like like number one uh, for the first stop along the Romans Road of Salvation, then number two, then number three, then, then you'll have it saved in your Bible where you can logically go from this step to that step to this step to the next step. And there's about five steps we're going to take along Roman's Road. Uh, You don't have to do it exactly like this, but I guess, you know, me me being an ex-cop, I think of uh, road signs and everything like that on a highway. So that's kind of how I have put it together uh, over the years. So let's take four steps uh, along Roman's Road to salvation. And and hopefully you can can, can learn this and, and use it because God wants you to be reaching other people. By, by the way, um, I've not said a lot about this yet, but uh, we're going to start a new series on the other side of this series that's going to focus for about seven weeks on baptism. And there's kind of a, I think God's compacting this together for a reason. Well, I didn't know at the time we were going to have a new, because on the word all is this. I will tell the person I'm trying to share the gospel with, if I'm using Romans right, at a particular time, I will tell them the word all, oh, guess what? It includes me. You wanna know why that's strategic for you to do that in front of another person? Because if you just sat down like holier than that, I'm gonna teach you how to be saved. <laughs> then you're gonna put a wall up between you and them. Guess what? You were a lost center. Amen. I am a lost center. I was a lost center. <laughs> Billy Graham was a lost center. Everyone has sin. So to start with, when you're trying to share the gospel with someone, help them understand you recognize your own self as a sinner. Don't you don't come across as you're trying to judge them or condemn them in some way. But but then you got to focus on the word all like this. Guide them to the understanding that the word all includes the person you're sharing the gospel with, because that's going to be pretty important for them to understand that for them to admit that they themselves, in in fact, understand that they are a sinner. Guys, that's so crucial. Like if it's a child that uh, maybe a vacation Bible school or something, and I'm trying to uh, follow up with them because they step forward, understand what a sin is. Have you ever done anything that was wrong? And they sit there in their innocence, and they say, no, I've not ever done anything that was wrong. What are they going to get saved from if they don't understand they're a sinner? And guys, that's part of repentance. Part of repentance is this. Part of repentance is an individual saying, I agree with what God says about me. I'm going to quit acting like what God says about me is not true. God, I admit I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. We've all missed God's mark. We all have missed God's holiness. We can't attain it in our lives just like we are. All fall short of God's glory. We cannot attain God's glory on our own. None of us can be good enough. There's no way we can be good enough, and we'll see some supporting verses to that in Moment. Now, you've heard me illustrate it before like this. I've, I've talked about putting a target on the moon. I can't remember if I said, you know, a bow and arrow or well, what. Let's just bring it on down a little bit further. If you put a target on the moon, you try and hit it with a slingshot. Is that going to happen? No. If you put a target on the moon, you try and throw the rock with your own arm. Is that going to happen? No because it's going to fall short. That's how it is with us in the glory of God. By ourselves, we cannot attain God's glory. Now, here's some supporting verses. Romans 3 and verse 10, none is righteous, no, not one. Nobody just like they are on their own is righteous. Romans 5, 12 tells us this, therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, talking about Adam, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. What does the last part of it say? Because all sin. Guys, we've, we've got the sin of Adam upon us as a human race. We've got inherited sin, but we also have committed sin that we sin ourselves. And there's even omitted you know, things in our lives that's actually sin. Because God tells us to do something and we don't do it. That's disobedience. But the first stop that you need to deal with is the person this warning sign. All have sin. Second sign on Romans road to salvation is this. There's an informational sign. Just like out traveling across the country, you can see signs that give you a certain amount of information. Well, here, the Bible gives us this kind of information. It talks about the wages of sin, and it also talks about the gift of God in Romans 6, 23. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life, in Jesus our Lord. So what I try and do with a person is make a contrast here. Help them understand the contrast between wages and the contrast between a free gift. If someone gives you something because you work for it, it's not a gift, is it? That they're giving you a wage. Well, the only wage that anyone will ever earn from staying in their sin and never trusting Christ as their Savior is death. The Bible clearly tells us that. It says the wages of sin is death. But on the other hand, you're drawing this contrast. The free gift, not something you earn, not something you deserve, but the free gift of God that he wants to give you is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift God wants you to give is eternal life. And the way you receive that is through faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. But by believing that in in your heart, in your life. Guys, you, you have to accept it as a free gift. I don't get your hopes up because I promise you I didn't do this. But had I gone and bought a present for every one of you and wrapped it up and put your name on it and brought it into the worship service today and come over and hand it to you, you've not done anything for it. I'm just giving it to you of my own volitional will. That's a free gift. Amen. That's what God wants to do with salvation. God wants to give you eternal life because he chose to do so. He chose to make the provision for you in his son dying on the cross. Here's some more supporting verses. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. It's not going to happen by obeying the law. And here's why. It wasn't ever intended, the law wasn't intended to be a stairway to heaven to where we can take this rung and that rung and this rung and somehow work our way to heaven. Instead, the law was given to show us how messed up we are. I I read the law and I say, man, I've messed that one up, and I've messed this one up, and I've messed that one up. And it it makes us understand how sinful we are. Another supporting verse, Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, says, for by grace... God's unmerited favor, that free gift we're talking about, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, not something that happens because of you. It's not your own doing. It is the, once again, gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. You need to help the person clearly understand there's wages for sin, but there's a free gift of eternal life that God wants to give them. And focus also on that concept of eternal life. How long is eternal life? Forever. The Bible doesn't teach you receive eternal life from God, and then you lose it, and you have to try and get it back. Authentic eternal life is forever and ever and ever, and there's not anything you can do to lose that salvation. if It is authentic eternal life. Number three sign on the Roman's road of salvation. It's a directional sign. You know, we're all traveling around. There'll be signs at a point. We go here, go here, go, go this way, especially if you're trying to get to a certain destination. There's a directional sign that's given in Roman's road of salvation. And it points us to this. It points us to the great love of God. Look at Romans 5 verse 8. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That concept or phrase of God showing His love means God demonstrated it. God wanted to put His love on display for you to undeniably see how much He loves you. And here's how He did that. He put His only begotten Son, not some angel, not someone else, God put His only begotten Son on the cross To die for you and to die for me and to fully, once and for all, pay for our sin. That's the picture of God's great love that he wants to give us here. God shows his love for us, not while we deserved it, not while we were spiritually clean, not while we were spiritually beautiful. No, he showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Now, guys, that's true for everyone in history, but it's especially true for all of us on this side of the cross, because guess what? Jesus has already died, and you are a sinner, but God wants to offer you his salvation. He, he does. the sinners, Christ died for us. He demonstrated for us. He clearly wanted to see through a sheer act of his grace how much he loved us, enough for his own son to die for us. A way I've illustrated that before, B- B- Becky at one point in time worked for a jewelry store uh, years ago, and not all jewelry stores use the same color, but I've noticed some jewelry stores do in this. They'll have this, this black velvet that they'll put out, and then they'll bring the diamond and then put it against the background of the black velvet because that enhances the brilliance and the color of that diamond. Now, some of you men got really nervous. and You're thinking, shut up, preacher. Quit talking about jewelry stores. Quit talking about diamonds that cost a whole lot of money. But, but when you do that, and then you look at it through the eyepiece they give you, you can see all the facets and the brilliance and everything else of that diamond. Well, that's more or less what God has done for us. Against the blackness of our sin, He gives us, a great, he gives us by His grace, the gift of salvation. Jesus died for us on the cross. And against the blindness of our sin, we can see the, the almighty, wonderful, brilliant love of God, the amazing love of God against the background of our sin. That's what he's doing by Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. Sign number four along Romans Road of Salvation is a yield sign. A yield sign on Romans Road of Salvation. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved with a heart one believes and is justified, and with a mouth one confesses and is saved. So so far as we're traveling this road of, Romans' road of salvation, it, it's contained warnings about our sin, the results of sin, there's death up ahead. Romans' road also informs us of, of God's gift of eternal life, directed us to God's great love that he died for us, even though we're sinners, and now we come to a yield sign. You 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 do know what a yield sign means, don't you? Some some of you may not. I see that all the time. I see some people think a stop sign is a yield sign. <laughs> but I can meet One place that really grates against me, and I, in the first service, somebody else really got flamboyant in with me about this. But on, on 321 in Hickory, as you're trying to exit off of 321 to wrap back around and get on 40, and people are coming off of 40, coming down on 321, there's a yield sign for them, but they don't know it. Transfer trucks and everybody else, they just pull right through like they've got the right to. I'm supposed to have the right of way to be able to pull over to get around on 321, but nobody knows what a yield sign is. Regrettably, a lot of people don't know what a yield sign is when it comes to trusting Christ as their Savior. Because what we just read a moment ago talks about coming to a point where a lost person needs to yield to God's right-of-way. They need to yield to God, to His will. They need to yield to God's plan of salvation. They need to yield their life to Him. How does that happen? Well, there's kind of three things mentioned in those verses. They must confess faith in Christ, admit that Jesus Christ is Lord. I told you earlier, admitting you're a sinner, agreeing with God about your sin, that's an aspect of repentance. But here's another part of repentance. Repentance is, I quit arguing with God about whether I'm a sinner or not. (laughs) So some people mess repentance up. Some people think repentance means I have to remember everything I've ever done that was wrong, every sin I've ever committed, and ask God to forgive me. Well, there's a problem with that. You want to know why? You don't have the capacity to remember everything you've ever done that's wrong. Neither do I. Repentance is where we come to the point that we agree with God about who we are. We quit arguing with him. Yes, God, you say I'm a sinner. We have a change of mind, a change of heart. A metamorphosis takes place, more or less. A spiritual metamorphosis to where we agree with God. But now also, I don't need just to agree with God about who I am. I need to agree with God about who Jesus is. That Jesus is Lord. I need to quit arguing the point. I need to accept him as who he is and what he's done for me on the cross. I need to fully trust in him and confess that he's Lord. And guys, confessing he's Lord is something that you can say with your lips. But guess what? You ought to also say it with your life. The way you're yielding your life to him. The way you're saying, you're my Lord now. So that means I'm going to respond to you in that way. I'm going to respond to you as being my Lord. I'm going to yield my life, Jesus, to you in the way you want me to live my life. We have to confess Christ and believe that Christ is Lord. They're coming to the point, that lost person, where they have a change of mind about who Jesus is. They're surrendering to him. Instead of walking away from God, they're walking toward God. A change of direction takes place. The Bible says, with the mouth one confesses and is saved. In those verses, they also must believe in their heart, that they must have faith within them, within their heart, that that, that Jesus in fact died as full payment for their sins, and that Jesus was raised from the dead. In other words, they're believing the good news. They're believing the gospel. They're believing the good news that Jesus died for their sins and took his life back up on that third day, proving that he had met all the just holy demands of holy God, that Jesus did everything necessary Guys, if Jesus were still in the grave today, we would have ample reason to be concerned about whether or not he is, in fact, who he said he is. But he took his life back up, and that shows that he did everything necessary on the cross. He fully paid once and forever the penalty for our sins upon the cross. And he took his life back up, and we're trusting in that, believing that gospel message of Christ. They're justified, the Bible says. That means that God makes you or proclaims you in, that you're innocent from his standpoint. And then there's a promise of salvation in those verses. He said, you will be saved. Now, we'll talk more about a promise of salvation in a moment. But I think, and, and guys, it doesn't matter whether you do it now or when, but I think this is a kind of a good time, an opportune time to give a personal testimony. And the reason why it's good to give a personal testimony is this. There are a lot of people in the world that will say, well, that's just a book. And it was just written by men. And they'll try and write that off. What they cannot fully do is deny what God has done for you. Then what Christ has done. Here's even the pattern of the Apostle Paul that he gives as he gives his own testimony. You need to tell people what your life was like before Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't like the way my life was like before Jesus. I don't like to talk about that. Well, you might not like to, but you need to because that's the way this other person's life is. You need to talk about how you came to know Christ as your Savior. Tell them how you came to faith in Jesus, how you came to the point you trusted Christ as Savior. And then the third component is you need to have been different since you trusted Christ as Savior. And I just thinking now is a pretty good time to talk about that because God gives a promise of salvation. You will be saved. Sign number five, our last sign along Romans Road of Salvation. I, I call it the parking spot because people need to be able to park their lives for all eternity with confidence that they have really trusted Christ as their Savior and that they're saved. The parking spot, knowing one. They are saved. They need to know that. Romans 10, 13 says this. I tell you guys, it's on the screen. Read it with me. Ready? One, two, three. For everyone who calls the name of the Lord, it don't say might be saved. What I do here is revisit the all of earlier, all have sinned. Remember, I told you you need to get that person to agree that all included them, that they themselves are a sinner. I go back to that and say, hey, you remember you agreed with that, that all have sinned, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner? The word everyone includes everyone too, doesn't it all? Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Hey guys, that's not just some kind of, little spiritual mathematical equation, you're you're calling upon Him in repentance that we've already talked about, admitting you're a sinner, you're calling upon Him with faith that Jesus did fully die for you on the cross. But God promises when you do that, He promises you will be saved. You want to know a neat thing about the character of God? God cannot lie. If God could lie, He wouldn't be holy, would He? And and yet the Bible says He's holy, holy, holy. I'll be honest with you. There have been times in my life after I've trusted Christ my Savior that if I was going based upon my emotions or what I had done that day or what had happened that day, there's plenty of times that if I'm just going upon the way I feel, I'd have reason to doubt whether I'm saved or not. I don't base it upon how I feel. I base it upon faith in what God has told me and what Christ has done for me on the cross and that God can never lie to me. You see, that person you're trying to win, their salvation is more or less based upon taking God at His word. They're taking God at His word about who they are. They're taking God at His word about who Jesus is for them on the cross. And then I go here kind of the last main verse I share with them because we want them to have a good place to park their lives. Romans 8, 1 says this, there is therefore now. Have you ever noticed the little word now? There's therefore now. No. Have you ever noticed the little word no there in that verse? There's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. See, I finish by pointing them to this. Because even as I kind of intimated to you early on in the message that many people never share the faith, they've never share the gospel, because they're walking around guilty, they don't understand the freedom they have in Christ and what he has done for them. Many times people will say a prayer, trust Christ as their Savior, move on a few days from that, or a few weeks from that, stumble up in their life and the devil comes around and points at them (laughs) and say, look what you've done. You know why I know that's true? Because he's done it to me plenty of times. You know what you need to do when he does that? You need to reach up and break his finger off. And tell him, Jesus has fully paid for all of your sins. And I have authentically trusted him as my Savior. And because of that, there is now, now, right now, now, no condemnation for me because I'm in Christ Jesus. That person needs to know that. The last church that I pastored before I started day three, I was preaching through the book of Romans. And I was preaching this text in Romans 8.1. And I had a wife of a man um, who used to be a pastor. The man used to be a pastor; he had not been for years. But his wife, he'd gone to seminary. His wife had taken some seminary classes, and she come up at the end of the service, like kind of excited, like I, I, I never noticed the word "now" before. Guys, that's huge. A lot of people say, well, I I know because of Jesus and I've trusted in him at the judgment seat that I'm not going to be. Yeah, that is true. But guess what? Right now you're not condemned. If you know Christ as your Savior, there's no condemnation. If you know Christ as your Savior. Hey, guys, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Okay? We as Christians can mess up, and guess what? The Holy Spirit convicts us. That's not the same thing as condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. They're part of the family of God. They need to understand that they have a solid, permanent parking spot for their life by having trusted Christ as their Savior. Then this part isn't necessarily part of the Romans road, but I always kind of go here with somebody I conclude by pointing them to the need of reading their Bible daily, <laughs> maybe several times a day, studying the Bible, reading the Bible, and praying. And here's why. The, the Bible is God speaking to us. Amen? And the Bible's what teaches us about Jesus too. And we need to pray to talk to God. But look, look at this passage of Scripture in Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the word of God. That's King James, New King James version. The ESV puts it like this, and some other translations. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. In other words, the word of Christ, what we're told about Christ in the Bible. But guys, here, here's the deal they need to read the Bible. Amen. They need to keep reading the Bible to grow in their faith. Encourage them to grow in their faith. I use illustrations sometimes. sometime. Right now, you're like a little baby. <laughs> a little baby doesn't go and eat steak, has to start out on meal. A little baby doesn't run a foot race, has to even learn to crawl. And that's the way people are spiritually. And for that reason, you know what you need to do after you lead somebody to Christ the Savior? You don't need to leave them alone. You need to stay connected to them and disciple them. Help them along this journey that they've trusted Christ as their Savior. Now they're part of the family of God. Help them understand that. Talk to them also about the importance of baptism. Baptism does not have one thing to do with saving them. Not one thing. Did the thief on the cross get baptized? The baptism does have one. It's a picture of what God has done for us. It's a picture of death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. It's a picture of the old Lynn Parsons dead and gone, and there's a new Lynn Parsons of Jesus in his heart. But the reason we know the importance of baptism is this. If they are confessing that Jesus is Lord, how ridiculous is it to say, you're my Lord, but I'm not going to do one of the first things you want me to do, which is to give a public testimony of your faith in him through believers' baptism. And please remember this. Please, please, please remember this as you're sharing your faith, as you're sharing the gospel. When you're sharing the gospel, you're trying to win a soul to the kingdom of God. You're trying to win someone to faith in Jesus. You're not trying to win an argument. And if you approach it as though... You've got to win the argument with that person. And and here's what I mean, guys. You might be able to go so far, and you can tell they've really got the brakes on. If you keep hammering, 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 you'll probably close the door on their heart. They may come up with all kinds of questions. A lot of times they do it to throw you off what you're talking about. (laughs) And I'll, I'll say, hey, we'll talk about those questions later. I mean, I've had them ask me questions like, well, if, if I trust Christ as my Savior, do I have to quit smoking? <laughs> if I trust Christ my Savior, do I have to quit this? Do I have to give that up? Do I have to give this up? That's a secondary issue. We need to keep talking about what we're talking about. Amen? We need to keep sharing the gospel. Remember, as you are sharing the gospel, you're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to win them to Christ for all eternity. Maybe you're someone today that never trusted Christ as your Savior. Maybe you needed everything we talked about today from a different perspective for you yourself. And if that's so, if you don't know it's your Christ is your Savior, we're going to have this time we call an invitation. John's going to come and do a song. It's, a, it's an invitation for you to say yes to Jesus, the Jesus we talked about in Romans today. But if you do know Christ as your Savior, this is also a time of decision for you because maybe you need to commit today to starting to share the gospel with other people, to more consistently share the gospel with others. Father, I pray you take this time and that you use it for your glory. I pray that there's someone here that does not know you as their Savior, as their Lord. That you'd help them right now to agree with what you say about them. That they're a sinner. They can't save themselves. They can't work. They can't be good enough on their own. Help them to agree with what you say about them. But Father, also help them to agree fully with what you say about your Son. That He is Lord. That He did come into this world. That He did go to the cross that he did bear their sin there that he lived a perfect sinless life that he's the once and for all sacrifice that you required as holy god to pay for our sins and he did that upon the cross and he took his life back on the third day father give someone here that doesn't know christ or someone that's listening online this morning give them the faith they need to trust in jesus for it's in his name we pray Amen. Please stand. If you know you need Christ as your Savior, why not come today? July 4th is about freedom. (laughs) You'll never be more free than you can be in Jesus. But as a believer, if you've not been consistently sharing the gospel, or maybe you didn't know how to, you've got one way to do it today. We're going to teach you several more ways to do it. But why not make a commitment and say, I'm going to do my best to lead others to Jesus Christ.
0: Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances, and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.